you're on my time, I can reclaim it. Reclaiming my time. The solution is with women. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. I say jump back, honey, jump back. You got to decide. Do you want to be Nat Turner or Ike Turner? You do not get to be both. Hi, I'm Aisha. And I'm Shachi. And you're listening to Inside the Pink, where we take a deep dive into the pink folds of the woman, exploring the experience from the inside and out. How are you today? I'm good. This is going to be a great topic to talk about. So It great. is. And I'm sure you figured out by now, well, at least when we give you the topic, that it's just in time for Valentine's Day. Yay. Yes. <laughs> holidays. Making your coworkers jealous day. <laughs> All right. So today's <laughs> topic, you guys, is love. All about love. love. And I couldn't be happier because I think it might. I think love is literally my favorite topic i think love is the reason why i do what i do yeah i think love is literally just it's why we do anything Mm -hmm. it's an emotion that drives so much well it should drive everything it should yeah doesn't always but it should so all right let's get into our definition miriam webster Mm -hmm. defines love as there's several definitions but i took a couple um it's strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties attraction based on sexual desire affection and tenderness felt by lovers the object of attachment devotion or admiration Mm. that's love what is it to you (sighs) um at its purest Mm -hmm. Um, love is complete protection. Mm. Um, it is being knowing that somebody has has put you as a priority of who to protect. I always said that I knew who I would marry when I felt completely protected by them. Mm, safe, safe. Mm-hmm. When I felt like I could give myself. And I and that person, the person I'm giving to them, this unadulterated person, this uh, this person who isn't hidden is protected. Yeah. Um, And that is and it may seem uh, almost uh, fairy tale-ish, but I also believe that love is is really like is life giving. It's uh, you don't that you are willing to die for people that you love. Mm-hmm. And I mean this for friends and, um, and this con- probably comes also with, uh, love is loyalty. And so, and with loyalty for me, it's always mm-hmm. meant, uh, to the death. Yeah. Death before dishonor has oh, been, wow. it is death before so dishonor. That means like ride or die. Yeah. I am yeah. like ride or die in the sense of like, I'm always going to hold you down. And like, mm-hmm. I'm not, you're not about to ride me off a cliff with cocaine in the back of your car but i'm I'm gonna hold you down when the police come yes i always said i wasn't a ride or die but then i realized i am that is the definition of ride or die let me just let you know that yeah i always be like i'm not riding anywhere i'm yes. gonna give you up and i was like no i'm actually not i'm yeah. actually going to i'm going to be the one who's going to try and confuse the police i'm probably going to do everything in my power to make sure that you're not picked up i'm going to yell at you after this is all done but put me in some bullshit position yes. but but that's what love does though exactly if you don't feel that way then i won't well i won't say if you don't feel that way that it's not love because you know everybody relates differently but i think love does does evoke those strong feelings in people it's so i guess and to sum it all up it's Mm -hmm. loyalty for it's at its base Mm -hmm. loyalty protection and then 
passion when it's you know when it's good yeah when it's good um i should also i'll start with that i think love is actually passion i think when we experience passion whether it's towards another person or the passion you feel when you are some people feel passion when they're dancing when they're creating a work of art when they are hearing a very good song i think that energy is loving energy mm -hmm. i think it's the energy behind all creation i really believe that love is period mm. and all suffering is the absence of love. I think love is the vibration holding the entire universe together. I think it's behind uh, creation. I think it's natural. I think when we don't block it, it just is. Mm -hmm. It's our being. It's you beyond your ego. Yeah. It just is. And everything else that we put on top of it actually blocks that love away mm -hmm. um i don't think you can make love i just think it is it is it's like it's energy it's yeah. energy it's the highest form of energy when you're in love with a person or when you're really in prayer when you are in a state of gratitude or just being to me that's what it means to exist in love but i also really i vibe you when you say safety and i've had this discussion with some men before that for me that is what love feels it feels like safe because you're you feel safe to surrender yes you know that when you get to that place where you are who you are absolutely who you are you're safe right it's Intimacy to me is the ability to be seen and to see without judgment. Right. And mm -hmm. that safety is so rare. It is. But you need it to really love. It is. You need it. And it's not consistent. Um, mm. Even when you find it, mm -hmm. it isn't consistent, unfortunately. So because mm -hmm. it, it, it requires it requires trust requires um requires a lot of things to be built in order for it to be upheld yes and sometimes we regress so absolutely yeah i think it's i think it's really fair to say that mm. just because love is monday doesn't mean love is tuesday no and it's something i don't think we also understand is that love is a choice so mm -hmm. it requires so not only is it a choice in the sense that you can uh we can walk away from certain things but it also requires you to choose in order to stay yes so when things and this is for love of family love of partner love of mm -hmm. world um you constantly have to remind yourself and and the constant reminder is not the bad thing it's mm -hmm. uh it's how easy it comes to you. So mm. when you wake up in the morning and it, let's use a partner for, you know, it's the easiest thing, but you look at your partner and you look at him and it immediately comes to you why you love him or why mm. you love her. But then two days later, you have to like <laughs> really <Remind> recall. <laughs> That's how it goes. Big yeah, but you're, right. you're absolutely right. It is a choice. Even the love you experience for your children. Right. You know, I know we, we neither of us have children, but you know, we are children. Um, and you know that what it must be like for our parents where they, they love you the moment you come out, but, Damn it if you're not going to disappoint them a few times. Absolutely. <laughs> Go try And vice versa. And vice versa. Yeah. Oh, gosh, vice versa. Especially yes. as you get into mm -hmm. adulthood and you realize your parents aren't superhuman. Human. Or, or super, super. Are, are not superheroes, but superhuman. Oh, that's, isn't that a quote? That's a quote. That's a quote. <laughs> when you realize your parents aren't superheroes, they're, they're superhuman. Super 
and it's it's there's a there's a level of disenchantment that yeah. comes with uh with with you becoming an adult yeah no, I, I think that's where a lot of people struggle that mm. it, it it shakes them to their core and i think it also from realizing our parents mortality also reminds us of our own so mm-hmm. it shakes us to our core it does also seeing like if your parents are still married yeah seeing the evolution of a marriage is very powerful um Mm -hmm. and i think if you can really see that it's very helpful to know what that looks like before going into your own marriage because it gives you a far more realistic perspective when you're like choosing your partner Mm -hmm. this is the person that when you lose your parents this is the person gonna be by your side if you're diagnosed with cancer or they're diagnosed this is the person like it's infidelity all that this is the person marriage is real it is and um it's funny that you bring up cancer because i spent seven years working in a cancer institute and um you don't know what love is until you have to sit with somebody going through chemo um it is a different type of love Mm -hmm. it really is it's and it's it is steadfast it is very strong it is there's i don't even know if there's words to describe it and i have seen it from parents and children and Mm -hmm. partners and friends and siblings sitting with uh family members for hours yeah receiving treatment um it must be beautiful to see though i mean and it's sad but in a way beautiful it is because you see people and it and it becomes and it's so it becomes so normal. Mm-hmm. They come in, they go to the treatment suite. Their family member stays with them, is reading a book, is you know maybe might be doing some work, or you want to go and get lunch. What do you want today? Mm-hmm. And they and you know okay, I'm going to use for example um, testicular cancer. There's a very aggressive treatment that they do. They come in for five days straight, eight hours a day. Um, wow! And they sit in their chair and. Wow. I have seen girlfriends and boyfriends, mothers and fathers, brothers, sisters, friends um, come in and sit for the whole eight hours. Maybe come to go get food and go back and forth and we'll come with them. This is five days, eight hours, two weeks off, come back again, do the same thing all over again. Um, But I can only imagine that knowing there's somebody there who loves you regardless is actually, to me, part of the treatment. Yeah. It is. And the funny thing is, is that there's chemo brain. So sometimes chemo patients are really, really mean. So, yeah. And they can get really mean. Mm. You know, they're going through a lot. And Mm -hmm. then then Mm -hmm. the drug can also affect them negatively as well, too. Mm -hmm. So they can get really, like, you know, ornery with their people, the people that are with them. And these people come back again the next day with them. And they sit with them for eight hours. I've seen people yelled at. I've seen people throw, have things thrown at them. And they come back and they're like, well, we want you to get better. So I'm Yes. Take it. Um, I love that. I mean, well, we're going to get into the next portion, but one more <laughs> thing about that. Um, my grandfather, when he went through chemo, you know, most people go through chemo, it's devastating. They lose their hair, they, they're nauseous, they're vomiting, they get sick. Mm-hmm. He would come home from chemo and go fishing. He would be fine. I have never seen anybody go through chemo like that. But the thing about my grandfather is he is the embodiment of love Mm. he radiates love he is the most peaceful kind benevolent you feel love when you're in his presence he's one of the people who really helped me understand the concept of 
that love truly just is. Mm-hmm. It could just be, you could be you are love. That's it's, it. it. it is, when you allow yeah. it, you are love. And I honestly think that his energy, because he's so positive, it's been years since. It's been years. He's fine. Mm. And I think his his energy just I've never seen anybody go through cancer like that. It was just like he got diagnosed, chemo, never got sick, was fine, and went on. I've never seen that. Yeah, no, I <laughs> I, I I mean, um everybody of course goes through yeah. chemo differently, but um a positive mindset makes a huge must. difference. It must make a huge Studies difference. Studies show that. It makes yeah. a huge difference. And then like you said, having family around the supportive and friends that are supportive, yes. having a very supportive uh unit is also makes a major difference. Knowing that you're not going through it alone. Yes. You're more likely to recover quicker oh, from, you know, symptoms than people who tend to be alone so isn't yeah. that life though knowing that there's somebody who loves you makes it life easier oh it saves I lives mean, and partnerships um you're more likely to live longer if you're in a partnership especially, um, especially so if you're with women <laughs> yes. if you are partnered with a woman and you are a you're, man you're, you're more good, likely to live longer you're in good hands like all state right <laughs> <laughs> all right let's let's go to these different types of love which so there's a various versions of love the greek came up with seven and we kind of still follow those today so the first one is eros which is probably the most familiar that we know which is sexual or passionate love and this is named after cupid or uh, he was known as the Roman as cupid uh, with the romans but uh as the greek god of he was eros um and then we have philia which is brotherly love friendship shared goodwill so right here i'm going to talk about quickly Mm -hmm. about the friend zone oh so and this is and the reason i'm I'm doing this is because plato said that philia born out of eros is the best type of friendship so philia friendship so based born out of passionate love so it's philia sorry it's philia love between not amongst men but just a love amongst friends Lung, love amongst friends love. platonic love so born brotherly love passion. born out of so he was like the one born out of passion is the best type of friend is the best type of friendship so the yeah, friendship between lovers is yeah absolutely which yeah continues my theory mm-hmm. that friendship is not a step we mm-hmm. tend to turn friendship friendship is its own entity it is its own relationship Mm -hmm. and in our society the idea of a friend zone Mm -hmm. indicates that friendship is a step to no romantic love no it is not no friendship is friendship you deny the greatness of a friendship when you look at it as a step because friendship is born out of many types of love yes it is not a step to get that's first of all super deceptive. But number two, I really this is a whole nother podcast, so I'm trying not I'm gonna try to like control my emotions right now and not get angry. But I hate the term friend zone because to me it is like a man saying, You're putting me in some sort of prison because you won't give me access to your body. Exactly. You're not entitled to it. And also your inability to just see it as friendship versus some sort of punishment right means you don't see me as fully human exactly and this is not a fr- we're not friends we're not really friends 
you're basically hoping that you can kind of like be a wolf in sheep's clothing and I'll let you close enough to me and then when it's time you can pounce like it's deceptive absolutely I'm good on that exactly which is why <laughs> I've always said the friend I, if you talk to me you know that I consistently said the friend zone does not exist mm-hmm. it is not a real just thing friend. you're just friends if you're friends you are friends and friends have philia is probably one of the greatest loves that you could ever have a friend is not something to uh demean or taken lightly or looked at as a step to romantic love when they are two separate things they can coexist but yes can i tell you i i am constantly learning and constantly learning the meaning of friendship and love and all of those things as i get older and I had I had a really tough week. I had something emotional happen to me this week, and one of my best friends in the world, his name is Greg. He's probably listening. And um, hi, Greg, Greg and I, hi Greg, and we're we're just friends. If you watch my IG stories, Greg pops up all the time, and I truly love him. And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of sad, and I was just calling him, and like I started crying, and he was like, just come over. Came over, we had drinks, and then. We went to the Wawa and we bought sandwiches. He paid for my <laughs> paid for my sandwiches and we sat in his bed and we watched Hulu, ate the sandwiches, drank, and then curled up and fell asleep. That to me is friendship. Right. Like he's like cleared whatever he was doing and was like, I got you, I got you back. You're not gonna cry alone. Right. Exactly. We're just gonna eat these sandwiches <laughs> and fall asleep. <laughs> friendship. That's, and then I think that we as a society are losing how, how great to be friends. that is and it's how to be beautiful. friends. Yes. Um, beautiful. So, so the next Philly. one mm-hmm. is storage, which is familial. And that's between parents and children. And this is what they call unilateral because it's kind of one directional. So because they're your children, mm. they bring you... you as a parent, you bring them into the world. So mm. it, it's con- unconditional. That's basically yes. the basis of it, that it's unconditional for the parents, unconditional, or attempted to be unconditional for the parents, unconditional for the children. Mm-hmm. Um, and, for a, and for a while, the love for children is literally based on need. I've always wondered that. Because I know for parents, they say, like, it was love at first sight. And I always wonder, like, for children, I believe a child comes out loving. Well, the thing is, I I believe that children come out loving, but then they recognize who to love Mm. based on what... Who's who's providing providing for them. Granted, the emotion is a need for children. Because children cry not only to be fed or to be, you know, to be... diapers to be changed but to be held but to be held and actually if you deny children the closeness the skin to skin affection early on in their life it will actually rewire their brain in a way that is completely irreversible so um, there are people who as adults have attachment issues right. they are attachment avoiders and that often can be traced to not having your emotional needs met as a child, uh, as a child. Yeah. and that's it's a really scary thing it is because it and because that starts at, from birth, mm-hmm. and then even and there's in toddler, which is considered the first the first puberty, yeah. because toddlers are going through like I don't know what's happening. It's terrible. Um, terrible. <laughs> yes. I actually love toddlers, but they are like really going like they're starting to recognize the world around you have them, to have energy. and they're like and then they're also trying to explain what they're seeing, but they can't, they can't. so they're losing their minds while they're driving us crazy. <laughs> um, 
Like and little drunk adults. Yeah, they, they are. That's exactly <laughs> what it is, just without the liquor. Yep. So, like, they're going through this. And in that those years, you can especially see any attachment issues yeah. that they have. Oh, yes. Um, yes. So if you drop them off from school, they'll cry, but they won't. When, when you come pick them up, they won't talk to you. They won't come near you because they're so angry about what happened. And it's a great time to try and reverse that the attachment issues. And usually, when that's like when people let that go, mm-hmm. is when it reappears again, or when it starts to show up again, like later on in life and stuff like that. Because yes. now, like you said, it's irreversible. Absolutely. So, if anyone's ever dated somebody with attachment issues, you oh, know what you it can looks like. trace it right back to age three, and then age three months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Rough. Mm-hmm. So, so the next one is agape and this mm-hmm. is the love that uh most religions teach um this is universal love this is the basis of altruism doing for others without requiring some type of payment or effort back mm-hmm. um and it's known to be one of the purest and rarest forms of love and probably to me the highest yeah if you are this is the love that jesus was said to have for his followers um, was said to have in order to become crucified on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a Christian, this is our this is essentially the basis of Christianity. Lotus, 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 Pronounce it how you must. This is playful, uncommitted love. So it's just basically love that ludic. Okay. Ludic, yeah. Um, it's dating love. That's the, that's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's interesting. Casual love. Okay. Casual sex love. Yeah, I don't agree with that one, <laughs> but okay. So what I've read and a lot of things that it's not a love that uh, that operates on its own. Mm-hmm. It usually operates with eros philia. Okay. It stand. It's not stand. It is a standalone. Sure isn't. Um, <laughs> it's. It doesn't last. Um, it's usually done to supplement to kind of give um, lightness to the other loves. And I actually believe that when it comes to seduction, which a lot of times people don't associate it with love, but I actually think that when you look at what seduction really is, it's a way of maintaining the fire, if you will, right. in relationships. And one of the ways you do that is by creating an air mm-hmm. of play and a mood of play. It's never too serious. So I, I get it. That's I get that. it's not standalone. Like yeah, sure is there's, there's no okay. there's no way in how yeah. that Ludus can survive on its own. Okay. Um next one we have is Pragma. Mm-hmm. And Pragma is what it sounds like, pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Um practical love. And it's founded on reason, duty, and longer-term interests. And this is essentially what keeps long-term relationships going. We're going to go back to the reason and duty uh, when we get a little bit further in this discussion. Mm -hmm. But it's the reason why we, you know, keep the relationships. It's why people serve their country. It's why people serve their families. It's why people stay in families that are probably toxic. It's this sense of duty, Mm -hmm. sense of um, of, uh, reason. They've... This is family, so therefore I must stay. And then our last one is philatia, which is self-love. And self-love can be healthy or unhealthy. And unhealthy would be considered hubris. Yes. And narcissism. Which is, I mean, well, one only has to turn to CNN or MSNBC or Fox to see a great example of a narcissist. But beyond that, um, I thought we would we would talk a little bit about self-love because I actually had somebody DM me yesterday about self-love and um, I posted it in my IG stories and I'll try to uh, save it to one of the highlights 
insights, but he was basically saying if self-love is the basis of love, like you can't truly love someone until you love yourself, which I actually really believe, mm-hmm. um, then why do we even need to love someone? Are we just basically storing the love they give us for like a rainy day? Why do we mm-hmm. even need it? If we love ourselves so much, would we just get to the point where we're like monks and we don't need to consummate that with anybody? And I said, you know, honestly, I think the reason why that's even a question is because our concept of self-love isn't actually Mm self-love it's very ego-based self-love but to get into that narcissus the myth behind you know what we call somebody a narcissist narcissus uh was actually mythologically a hunter who was known for his very striking beauty Mm -hmm. and he was very proud and kind of disdainful of those who loved him because he kind of felt like nobody was good enough for him because he was so fly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, So beautiful. So beautiful. And I think that one of the barriers that we have to really finding true love can be really seen in this myth. So in one of the myths that surround Narcissus, it's a a woman named Echo. Mm. And Echo sees Narcissus and she is like, wow, he is fine. And she follows him. The more she follows him, she falls really deeply in love with him. And he senses he's being followed. So he starts calling out, who's there? Who's there? And rather than really speak up and use her voice, she just echoes what he's saying so she says who's there who's there and eventually she reveals herself and when she reveals herself he he rebuffs her he's like you're not good enough for me and so she sort of uh, spends the rest of her life kind of by herself just grieving over being denied this man she spends the rest of her life in solitude and eventually and there are different versions of the myth but eventually Narcissus falls in love with his own reflection some myths say that because he knows he can never be with mm-hmm. himself the passion he has for himself literally he melts away some say he drowns in his reflection um, some say he like turns into a flower which would be the golden white flower known as the Narcissus But I think this idea of this man who's so in love with himself really speaks to some of the issues that we have in our modern day. So, for example, Echo, not using her voice, just blindly following this man. And when she's rebuffed, kind of turning inward is really almost an example of the female pursuit of love. And the fact that in, in Western and patriarchal societies, the way we condition women to pursue love and that you're defined by love is almost sort of death if you, you deny that if you love, denied it, yeah. speaks to that. And I think it speaks to the way that your ego blocks love one of the things i said in the beginning is that i think your ego has to go away love is natural it's primal it's not something you can reason it's heart-centered and so the fact that narcissus is so wrapped up in his ego it makes it difficult for him to actually receive love or give love he can't give it or receive it and i think that our society is so reason-based instead of heart-based kids when they're born you're all you can do is feel mm-hmm. and then you learn gradually to reason and you have to because you won't survive if you can't right. but our society is so reason-based that i think we forget how to connect to the heart and how to feel and how to just be and i think that's a block to love and i think um to go back to the idea of self-love i think one of the issues we have a really finding deep communion in our society is because we have a very ego-based society, a reason-based society, and what we think is really self-love is really self-like. And Mm -hmm. it's really like, 
I like myself, but it's this very false idea of who you are. It's who your ego thinks you are. Right. It's not it's who, who you, you are. You like who you present. And you like people who affirm who you think you are. Yeah, exactly. So really, you're looking for your ideal reflection in somebody else versus really looking for love. Mm-hmm. And that's a, I think that's a big issue. I think that's why a lot of people run into, even when you get married and the divorce rate, and in, in many ways, our society has forgotten how to love. I, th- I agree. Um, you ever watch Married at First Sight? No, oh no. I I need to because I've heard so many things. I've I've not I've not watched the show. No, it's terrible. But <laughs> I watch it every season, um, and it's uh, science wise, yes. it's a failure. Okay, but understood. Um, you know, so <laughs> yes. just like based off of you know, the, it's based off of you know. I think we're on season eight. Mm-hmm. And the results, I think maybe four couples have survived. Mm. Um, yeah. Out of eight seasons. Yeah. Eight times 21 couples. So yeah. it's it's it's, it's a, a bit of a failure. Yes. Um, but I bring it up because, um, so the, the, exper- the experts, mm-hmm. quote unquote, come together and they choose people to get married to each other um, and they meet each other at the altar. That's the basis of the show. And they're supposed to live with each other for six weeks. And Mm. they choose six to eight weeks. And then at the end of the six to eight weeks, they decide whether they're going to stay married or get divorced. So one thing I noticed about the show is that people will give the things that they like and the things that they want. And then the experts will choose a partner based off of this Mm -hmm. and based off of their lives. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it could end up being the exact opposite of what they have verbally asked for. Mm -hmm. But based off of their life, the person that they are chosen for them Mm -hmm. is who belongs in their life. Mm. And then when they get the person, it's just like, this is not what I wanted. Yeah. Even though it may actually be Or it's it's a perfect fit. Yes. Or they get what they want that they verbalized and they realize this is what I thought I wanted because this is what I thought would look good mm-hmm. for me. It's this. It's a loose situation. And but so these are lost people. Yeah, and so they like. <laughs> and when the first season, there was a one girl, one woman. She said she was looking for a traditional man, mm-hmm. and so she, her husband was um, from the military. He was in the military, very traditional in the sense that he wants to come home and she, you know, have her cook and stuff like that. And she was like, "Well, that's not me," mm-hmm. and. They were like, well, you asked for a man who was traditional. And it made. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. So, there, like, and this, this is yeah. something that happens constantly All the time. In, mm-hmm. on the show where people are kind of like faced with realizing what's really them mm-hmm. and what they've been trying to present all this while. Actually, I think a lot of people have no idea what they truly want. I mean, and I think anybody, everybody's probably been in a situation where it's either you or the person that dated somebody and maybe you were the first person they dated like that. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, wow. Or you dated somebody you never thought you would date like that or with a quality you never thought you would appreciate. And, oh, because sometimes, like, life has to teach us we don't know everything that we want. Right. You just don't. It humbles us. Yeah. That's how it humbles you, yeah. So that's all partially, honestly, if you look at dating in a more constructive way, that's actually the purpose of, that's, that should be the purpose of dating. Right. Yeah. But it's not always. But, all right. So from Narcissus, we go to mythology well, and love. Yeah. So we step into Greek mythology. 
Um, and, we, and of course, we can't talk about love and mythology without speaking of the goddess Aphrodite, mm -hmm. who was the Greek goddess of love and sexuality. But she was known for meddling. She is the reason that the um, the Trojan War actually happened. Yes. So she is not the greatest <laughs> of goddesses when it comes to love. She was known for kind of like stepping in and kind of... Um, Dealing with humans to satisfy herself and to satisfy her her need and her want for beauty and you know well it also shows her what desires the Greeks did right to the goddesses that came before her stripped stripped the goddesses that were prior to Aphrodite like Inanna for example stripped her down and made it Aphrodite because it showed mm -hmm. what they really thought about love right right which, that it was frivolous. Just like Exa pleasure, exactly. Which Aphrodite also represents exactly. <laughs> um, and then there's the Eros, which are a collection of gods associated with love and sexual desire. And so um, I'm only going to quickly go through three of them here. Um, the three that I think are really important. Um, and the first one is Anteros. Anteros is the god of requited love, literally love returned or counterpart love. He punished those who scorned love and was the avenger of unrequited love. He has been described as armed with a golden club or lead arrows. Then we have uh, the ever so famous Eros. Um, and once again, he's the god of love and intercourse, and he is mm. also worshipped as a fertility deity, thus the baby with the arrows running around the diaper. Isn't it interesting that Eros, though, is a male god, and that's a fertility? Like, thank you, Greeks. Thank you. Yeah. Just, again, taking it out of the realm of the feminine. Yeah. That, uh, Doesn't make any damn sense. No, because, and, and another reason that he's not... Is <laughs> He doesn't make sense at, at all. all. Um, yeah. <laughs> his Roman counterpart, Cupid, was more so desire. Um, Eros was often regarded as a protector of homosexual love and mm -hmm. heterosexual love. So the Greeks um, recognized different sexualities and they assigned gods to various um, sexualities. So Eros mm -hmm. actually protected both hetero and homosexual love. Interesting. So, oh. And then the last one... And I just added it because of its name, mm -hmm. and it's uh, Hymenius. Mm -hmm. And that's the god of weddings, marriage, and the bridal hymn. His name is Hymen. So, Where have you heard that before? Right. So you can do with that what you will. <laughs> so funny. So actually, that's a, that's a good segue. So um, when we're talking about uh, the Greco-Roman tradition of uh, the goddesses of love and the gods of love, um, I started thinking about actually absence of love. And when you really get into Greek myth and Roman myth, you'll find that there's a lot of rape, yeah. a lot of possession. And when you look at uh, Hera and Zeus, for example, so Hera is the, the seen as the deity who protects marriage, right. if you will. Uh, Hera was raped and she was shamed into marrying Zeus. And Zeus would be like the you know king god, the sky god. Uh, Europa, uh, there's a famous painting called The Rape of Europa. Uh, and Europa was immortal. And Zeus disguised himself in order to get close. I think it's like a calf or something like that. Or a bull. A bull, A yes. bull, and that's he it. caught her with, the, with, the, with his horns. With his yeah. horns. So he deceived her in order to get close to her and then raped her. Where have we seen that friend zone, deception, mm -hmm. telling a woman what she wants to hear? I truly believe that, well, this actually, this is not a belief. Greco-Roman mythology is really the archetypal blueprint for Western society. Absolutely. So I think that you'll find a lot of the issues that 
or, or in regards to love and the coming together of gods and goddesses and mortals and Mount Olympus, you'll find them mirrored in our society because that's, you know, from this mythology and this sort of this sort of archetypal schema, if you will, this is where we get our concept of love, our concept of each other. Um, even Persephone in Hades, Persephone uh, is abducted Indeed, and Demeter yeah. Uh, weeps for her and grieves for her. That's during the winter months and she's abducted and taken to the underworld with Hades and ultimately she's made a queen but she's made a queen after she's raped. And so what you'll find with Greco-Roman mythology is really the absence of love. You'll find that these goddesses love their abductors and they love their gods but these gods repeatedly shame and humiliate and rape and abuse and deceive them. And this is what we have as the archetypal blueprint for modern love in Western society, where it's very unequal. Right, and we have absolutely carried that out to the fullest. Absolutely. Car- I mean, we we socialize women to seek love, to associate love with status and validation. You are complete when somebody loves you. We socialize men to affirm their masculinity by being emotionally withholding. Right. We don't socialize men to love. If they love, they can love. They do love. They're not socialized to love. In fact, masculinity is a huge roadblock to love. And it requires... The way it's socialized, I should say, not actual masculinity. The way... And for men to love, learn to love, um, and to actually give emotions, it requires them to unlearn and using the, uh, utilizing women in order to do so. Yes. So we live in a society where women are asked to love even the worst of men yes and men are told they should only give love to the best of women and and on and that emotional uh, withholding is a form of control right and how can you really love when in order to be a man you've got to deny your fullness you have to deny a part of yourself to be a man you have to suppress a part of yourself you can't feel that's what masculinity is how are you supposed to love somebody like that it's why I think that men give so much, particularly to because there's not as much restraint on philia, yeah. friendship, love, brotherly love. Yes, yes So they yes. give a lot of that love to friends. Yeah, I believe, and I see that. I see, oh, I see that. I had a discussion with a man once, and he was talking about his exes. And Uchechi and I in the car right here had a very interesting discussion about how there's some men that we love, but we love them because we don't date them. Yeah, because they're actually trash otherwise. <laughs> trash otherwise. But dating, but as friends, that, they're wonderful. As friends, they're wonderful, but in the dating realm, they're just, uh, until they find that person or evolve or whatever, just a hot, a hot mess. So anyway, I was t- talking to this guy, and he was just like saying about how he just really could not empathize with his exes who did not want to be his friend anymore, mm-hmm. or who did not like him or keep that door open but even after he'd been trashed to them but he had uh he was leaving his job and he had an exit interview and his boss his immediate manager had been cruel to him and he did not want to tell on his manager in the exit interview because he said well he has children and this job is important to him i said you could empathize with the manager who tried to sabotage you this entire time, but you can't empathize with the woman that you once loved or at least liked and slept with who has hurt feelings after if you've abandoned her or discarded her. That's a problem. Shout out <laughs> to the Greek guys for setting us up, us up with this blueprint. For failure. For failure. 
Well, let's it's move hard. on to yeah. some goddesses that are um, <laughs> a little more balanced. Yes, go ahead. So we talk. So we're going to move over to India, and uh, we have Pravardi, who is the consort of the Hindu god Shiva, known as goddess of love, and she was known as the goddess of love and devotion. Pravardi was important because she was known as the one of the forms of Shakti, an all-powerful mm. female force of the universe. Yes. And she taught Shiva how to embrace pleasure. And she's an example of male entities requiring female entities to be complete. Together, Shakti and Shiva represent yin and yang, yeah. universal balance. When we say feminine energy, Shakti would be a word that's, in, that's exactly. interchangeable with it. Without Without her, without Shakti, Shiva could not be. Honestly, if you really want to understand masculine and feminine energy, understand Shakti and Shiva or yin and yang. They're both the same concept. And it's, it, but Shakti and Shiva, that story is beautiful and it's just balanced and it's really helpful. Then we have Hathor, which is the Egyptian goddess. And she was considered the primeval goddess from who all others are derived. Mm-hmm. And she personifies principles of joy, feminine love, and motherhood. She also, was, Hera is an extrapolation of her, of, yes. so it was totally stripped down. Hera is the protector of marriage, marriage mm-hmm. but she was also known to be very cruel. Exactly. And because Zeus had all these dalliances mm-hmm. and she lashed out at the women. As opposed to. As opposed to patriarchy. That's yeah. how we've conditioned women to be. But Hera is the Greek version of a Hathor. They take Hathor, who's powerful, mm-hmm. and they strip all the power away. And then we come with this weak wife, and we call her Hera. And they only keep her cruelty because originally Hathor was known to be a bloodthirsty deity, unleashed on mankind to punish humans for sins. So Hera yes. was utilized to punish women, women for the sin <laughs> yeah. that her husband would commit. So it's really thank you. And how many women are like that? Exactly, where we run, where we punish other women ready to fight the (laughs) sins of our men. You are ready to fight, but nobody's looking at what the man did. But you're ready to get to turn all the way up and catch a case, right? It's but Hathor also has the other side along with her power, Mm -hmm. and that is to she's associated with women and women's health, and then she's a symbol of kindness and love. So while she punishes for humans for their sins, she's also embraces them with kindness and love. Justice and mercy, right? Are the the same coin, but that's that's definitely absent from Hera. Completely. Who, by, by the way, actually also hated Aphrodite. Yeah. But that also goes to show, like, our modern concept of marriage. Like, when we look at an Aphrodite, which represents pleasure and eroticism and and Shakti, to a way, feminine energy, Mm -hmm. um, how we've almost made that, extracted that from marriage. Mm -hmm. So once you get married, then it's about duty and loyalty and standing by your man. But this whole idea of, you know, of being playful and all of that, how a lot of times it's hard for married people to incorporate that. And you can see that separation even at the mythological level. Right. So, like, as we were talking about the different uh, versions of love, mm-hmm. things like pragma, the love, the version of pragma and eros and ludus, these are all things that combine, that become, work together. Work together. Yeah, they are not that. separate. Yeah. But much of our society will have you believe that these are separate mm-hmm. things. That's a really good point. And you can't. Be, you can't be, you know, playful in love. Um, yes. You also can't be pragmatic in love and that mm-hmm. your love can't be passionate when all these things are required in order to have love that is really fulfilling. Absolutely. So anyway, that, I'll tell you how I was bothered by the, the pragma until you really went into it because I think that our approach to love is 
often pragma divorced of everything else. Yeah. You want to reason your way into love. This is what I want. Checklist. Check mark. And I think men would actually, we always talk about women having checklists. I think I actually think men do it significantly more. Mm -hmm. I think men really go in sometimes into relationships and like, I am not opening up my heart unless she is this height, maybe this color, this background. I mean, like reason. That's why a lot of stuff we have is not love. No, I actually, I'm a firm believer that without, that Eris brings you, let us, let us lead you. Mm Mm-hmm. Eris keeps you. Mm. Pragma is what is the glue that keeps you together. Because, yes. like I said, you have to easy. have you have to have a reason. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so but it can't lead you. It cannot, I love the way you said that. Yeah, lettuce yeah. is what leads you. It's Absolutely. playful. It's like it's casual, mm-hmm. and it, it's the it's beginning. In the it's in the be- it's in the moment, and yeah. it's in the beginning of Eros. Like it, it's that casualness turns into playfulness. Yes. I mean, uh, sorry, that casualness turns into passion. Yes. And that passion ends up being pragmatic because it's going to last and extend for a long time. So you yeah. have to give it some type of longevity. You have to give it, like, legs and longevity. And that's where pragma comes that's in. beautiful. So. Yes, um, beautiful. And then quickly, our mm-hmm. last one, Oshan, the Orisha, yes. goddess of love and sweet waters. I mean, like, the ultimate. Mm-hmm. It has powers over love, fertility, and feminine sexuality. And Oshan is another example of you cannot do it without women. You mm-hmm. need women, um, in order to, to to in order to for this world to be complete. Mm-hmm. Um, Oshan created the Ayami Aje, which is a band of women with special power to protest men who were sent to the world to, and they started work without her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was supposed to start with them, and so their efforts failed, yeah. and so they went back to Olo Damare, who was the um who is the almighty God, and to look for answers. And he told them, well, you can't do anything without Oshan. You started work with her, you failed her. You, you need her in order to, mm-hmm. to, in order to do work, and they, she needs you to do work. I actually find when I think about Oshan, she's, she's also associated with wealth. Yeah. Um, and I think that's fascinating because she embodies both passion and pleasure, but also abundance. Mm-hmm. And I really do think it's all connected. Yeah. You know, we tend to think of money as this very, like, cut-and-dry thing. I think money is abundance. I think when you really are putting uh, positive, loving energy towards a certain goal, you are going to get abundance from that Mm -hmm. goal, whether it's in the form of money or whatever else is that you seek. I think that love is critical in manifestation and critical in abundance. It's one of the things I kind of take from, like, when I look at her her story, one of the things I, I take from that. So we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, communion. Actually, if we could make a book recommendation, it would be Bell Hooks, Communion, The Female Search for Love. I swear, people always hit me up in my inbox, and Chachi probably gets this too, what books. Okay, well, first of all, I cannot tell you every book that I've ever read in, entire, in my entire life. <laughs> it's in the thousands. I don't know. but So nobody ever likes my response, but I'm like, I love Bell Hooks and Camille Paglia. So there, you don't have to DM me anymore. Bell Hooks, Camille Paglia, they're my favorites. But but she, Bell Hooks writes communion about the female search for love, and it, we touched a bit on it when we talked about the Greco-Roman tradition and what love is on, on Mount Olympus with the gods and the goddesses. But she talks about how patriarchy makes it very difficult for for women to find equal love and beyond the idea uh, that patriarchy I think in conditioning men to almost not really open their hearts for love and the idea that we have this very mind-centered society um, patriarchy you know we condition women to seek love and we some in some ways condition men 
to to resist it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's one of the great tragedies, um, I think, of our time, that female quest for love. And the idea that when we get love, it's not always equal love. No, it's not. It's a lot of times it's uh, definitely un, un, not balanced. Yeah. Particularly for black women. Yeah. Um, when love turns into labor, that's when you really see the imbalance. Right. Did you watch you the the Netflix? Uh, I only watched the first episode, which is very creepy. But I'm going to continue watching. It's the rest of it's it. creepy. Um, I said I did like a live tweet of it, and I mm-hmm. said if um they have a second season, I will not be watching it. I'm quite was good. it really for that? It was weird. Um, it was yeah, it was scary. Um, okay. Yeah. So the reason I bring up it is because the the main male character eventually mm-hmm. starts dating this black woman, Karen. And I'm watching it, and, you know, he's talking about how, like, I mean, he's not in love with her, so, like. He's just a dalliance, because he's still obsessed with. He's still, exactly, so he's, but she's great. She's, she's kind, she's beautiful, she, you know, I mean, she has her quirks, but Mm -hmm. she's, she's good, she's, um, she's a nurse, I think she's a nurse. Mm -hmm. Um, She does things for people, like, she does things for him. And I was, and I remember tweeting, Karen loves like a black woman, and no mm. one in this show deserves it. <laughs> Is Karen black? She's black. Oh, okay. <laughs> she loves. She's a she's a black woman. If there's anything they got right about her, it's that yes. the way that she loves, like it's complete, it's full, it's labor filled, it's you know. Is that a good she, thing or a bad thing? Because <sighs> I I've started to question. In an equal world, in a vacuum, yeah. it's perfect because that's how love should be. It's yeah. doing things for people. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna we're gonna get into a study later that talks about that about how like um, love is so many different things and so many different things that you do and mm-hmm. say. And so black women have a right. We we do it, we, we, we do love robustly and fully, <laughs> but it's just not always reciprocated, and, that's and where, so it almost ties into the strong thing. Exactly, so it becomes an issue because we're not given what we are getting. And yeah, and I, and honestly, painful. like to me, I think in an ideal world, you you are love, you love yourself, and you attract that back, and you recognize when you're not in. You're, we recognize when you're not in that kind of situation and you mm. leave it. That's and I think, I yeah, I just I don't I don't condone loving beyond the, the way you're loved. I don't have nothing. I have nothing to prove. I just don't condone it. I don't. I, yeah, I just don't condone it. I <laughs> no. I, I think particularly as a black woman, I've always said because you know many times uh, black men will come to you and ask you, how do I love black women better? Mm-hmm. And the first thing I say is give them back what they've given you. That's it. Reciprocity. Because that's the problem, not having to give and give and give and then not receive that back or watch you take everything mm-hmm. that you and not and not pour it and back into you but leave you and give it to somebody else after you've emptied out my vessel <laughs> i mean and i think to a certain to a certain extent we condition all women to want the happily ever after right. that the completion is the status of being chosen mm-hmm. Um, and so in some ways we really set up all women to out love. We teach, we, we, we socialize women to be nurturers and caretakers. We say that part of you as a woman, you, you are here to love. We just don't do that to our counterparts. So I think it's probably unequal for all women, but I think when you take 
the layers, you know, we're not loving in a vacuum. We're loving in our society. Exactly. Um, and you add that. And I think it does become uh, complicated. And I was I was just going to say this as a quick segue before we get into that discussion. Um, but we were talking earlier about how capitalism mm-hmm. influences love. So, you know, number one. In the since the fifties and sixties, where we sort of had like free love, where we sort of divorced dating and the way we have sex from sort of this idea that you had to be married or that there was there were things that are appropriate and things that were not appropriate. We kind of have this laissez-faire approach to sex, and a lot of what happens in our dating economy and and the way that we date mirrors a free market. Mm-hmm. So the idea that we value certain things and don't value certain things, the idea that the same people still exert the most power, that men are still going to have more power on the market, the idea that we want to, when you take a woman out on a date, you feel like if you paid for her, she owes you something. Exactly. Like capitalism influences the idea of exploitation. Living in a capitalist society actually influences the way, the way that we, we love, love yeah. and the way that we approach dating. So it's, you know, going to make that point too. Yeah. It's also a big business. If you look at romance novels, romance movies, apps, uh, you name it. This We make a lot of money off of the pursuit of love. We do. And then none of those things work. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes down to it, you love is not synonymous with marriage, but marriage no. is seen as like the ultimate commitment in our society. So we tend to use it, utilize it as, you know, for the most part in recent society, when you love somebody, the goal tends to be marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of, so there's, there was a study that was set up to study love and and uh, marriage and its, um, and its longevity. Mm-hmm. And in 1986, John Gottman and Robert Levinson set up the Love Lab at the University of Washington. Um, and they studied newlywed couples. Um, they study their physiology, would ask them questions about like how they met, where they met, um, and would study kind of like how their bodies inter- would react to these questions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they're newlyweds. So this feels great. Everything is good. Physiology is amazing. The, aris- the arousals are positive. Then they would ask them to come back in six years. Six years, they realized they had two groups, the masters and disasters. <laughs> They would study the the physiology of the couples that they called disasters, and it showed that the disasters had high arousals, but it was in fight or flight. That they were in fight or flight mode whenever they were next to their partners, or they felt or they were always in attack or be attacked mode oh next to their partners. Mm-hmm. Whereas masters were far more calm. Um, they were calmer. They were comfortable, and there was an intimacy, and so their levels of arousal were lower, but um, it was because they were comfortable in the sight of their partners. Mm. So in seeing that, Gottman and Levinson was like, okay, well, so what does this? What creates this atmosphere where somebody is in this hostile environment six years later and somebody isn't, but they started at the same place in the beginning? So what they found out was that masters create the intimate environment by the spirit and habit that they bring into the relationship. And it's essentially a culture of purposeful respect and appreciation. Mm. Masters look for what's right in their partner. Mm. Disasters look for what's wrong. You know, that is so powerful because at the end of every episode, we do gratitude. The reason why we do the gratitude is because we both believe that 
you're you're shaping a reality. Mm-hmm. And when you focus on the silver lining and what's right and what's present and what there is to be grateful for, you are in alignment with that. And that's what you're creating more of. And when you focus on what's wrong, you become in alignment with what's wrong. And that's what you create more of. So you just see that actually manifest in a marriage. To the point powerful. of it manifests so much is that... Um, it kills the love and it oh. also suppresses a partner's immune system. Wow. So and they and so they narrowed it down to the contempt is the number one killer of a relationship. Contempt in that interval well, they say it's a thin line between love and hate. Yeah, and it's contempt. And it truly is. Holding holding animosity, being angry with your partner mm-hmm. and not letting it go. Mm-hmm. All of these things, not sharing joy with your partner all mm. these things um having a negative effect on a relationship and it turns a happy newlywed into a disaster couple wow. um and, and the basis of the subject of this study was that kindness mm. binds relationships yes interpreting your partner's actions charitably appreciating intent shared joy active responses instead of passive and yes. then the biggest thing and I actually had to call a friend because I had a friend who called me and was complaining about something about mm-hmm. sharing, uh, sh- shared joy with their partner. And I was like, well, you know, not everybody shares the same interest with their partners. And he was like, but shouldn't you show a little bit of interest? Yes. And I said, a little, you know, yes. maybe, sure, but not everybody is wired the same way. I had to call him and correct myself because mm-hmm. re- research mm-hmm. has shown that shared joy is probably the most important thing being there for when things are right with your partner is just as important if not more important than being there when things are rough and it keeps it alive because when you see your partner like let's say that they love to dance Mm -hmm. and they may a little go to their classes and stuff you're not a part of that but they have a big performance you see them up on stage doing their thing that reminds you you fall in love all over again Mm -hmm. and i know i actually know a woman who i dance with and her boyfriend doesn't really come and at first she was just like oh well he's not you know really interested and then one day we had a heart to heart and she's like no it's really a problem like he doesn't show interest i'm doing all the work he goes on vacations without me i've been to italy and everything without her and that one little thing that was like oh that's interesting he never supports her was you know was reflective of the entire relationship so that that is really important but it also goes to what we first said about creating safety but also that love is. Yeah. So if love is you, love is gratitude, love is joy, love is being, love is this high, joyful, appreciative energy, then when a relationship is working, you are both in a state of love experiencing it together. Yeah. And it, it, That's it. it's just... And it requires you just being kind to your partner. Yeah, be kind, and 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 that's a kindness that starts even before you find your partner. Yeah, being kind to you, being kind to others, being appreciative, being present. It's the agape. It's all of those things that, and it, if it doesn't happen before your partner, it's not going to magically happen no, when they get there. Not. So when you are looking for what's wrong in the world. You will look for what's wrong in your partner, mm-hmm. and it will the love that you originally found with that person. It will it it literally kills it. Yes, it kills it, and it, it kills it, and not only does it kill it, it kills them. It, it will it <laughs> kills your partner. It's so it's it's yeah. it, that study. I think is probably one of the most important studies. I think I have. That's come amazing. Across. What's the name of that study again? So the study is called the Love Lab. The Love Lab. Yeah, guys, that's um, I would take by, it some time to read more about that. If they want to, if any, if anybody wants to look more into it. 
the article was on the Atlantic.com and it was called Happily Ever After. And the study is by John Gottman, G O T T M A N, and Robert Levinson, L E V E N S O N. Um, and yeah, that's it's a study that I think um, is really important and it mm-hmm. boils down how to. Because we always talk about finding love and it's mm-hmm. keeping love and keeping it alive. And mm-hmm. it boils down to how you literally treat people to the um, to the if you're a Christian yes. or even it's a this is a uh, an aspect that is in every almost in every religion. religion yeah. And it's literally love others the way you want to be loved That's or treat it. others the way you want to be treated upon, mm-hmm. you know, as you want to you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And it will and it's going to it changes your life absolutely i think if you radiate love and you truly love yourself and not at the ego level you're just you truly love who you are and you radiate love you will you will attract that and i think we're defined not just by the people we attract we're defined by the people we keep yeah because you're going to attract all kinds of people from the bum on the street to you know the executive who you choose to keep and how they treat you is a reflection of the love you have for yourself and of humanity. Absolutely. Yeah. So you want to do gratitude? Because I know we've been talking about love. Yes. So for gratitude, I'm going to give this to all my sister friends. Um, where would I be without my girls? Like, mm-hmm. where would I be? Where would I be without the ones that are new? Where would I be without the ones that I have grown up with? Where would I be without my actual without my actual sisters? Um, with, I mean, some everybody talks about how it's not you need girlfriends, you mm-hmm. need your homegirls, you need women in your life, um, you need black friends. You need, like, as a black woman, I need black friends. I need black women. I need women who have gone through what I've gone through, who love like I love, who experience life like I experience. So, and we don't get thanked enough. So I consistently thank all the black women in my life who are friends um, and who have seen me at my worst and have celebrated me at my best. And, um... May we always find love in everything that we do. Yeah, I I would second that. I would just give thanks. I mean, every day in my gratitude journal, one of the entries is love. There's love in my life, um, all forms of it. And I just am grateful that my family who love me and friends who love me makes it a lot easier. Um, I guess I'll give this gratitude to Greg because I had a really rough last two months have been pretty heart <laughs> and so he has been that shoulder to cry on and so i'm just really 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 grateful that i have that support also helps that he lives like down the street from me so <laughs> i'm just grateful to have that support and i'm just in general just grateful for love in my life and just embodying it embracing it focusing on the positive and all of that good stuff so, so guys, i love this episode i think this will be <laughs> one for the books i think it's we've given you a lot to to feast upon as you're chewing your chocolates maybe i don't know all right so enjoy your chocolates <laughs> enjoy the gifts and all the good stuff and just remember that this is great <laughs> valentine's day is great but it's uh it's love is every day it's and it's lo- every bigger. day and it's everywhere and it's it's just it is love yeah, is it's, love is that's that's the, the takeaway so <laughs> uh 
um, follow us on Instagram at Inside the Pink Podcast. Uh, you can also send us all your lovely thoughts. Send us love um, <laughs> at in, at uh, Inside the Pink Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you guys next time. Peace and love, guys. Bye. Bye.